Christ above us, Christ below us, Christ before us, Christ behind us, Christ beside us, Christ be with us. Amen. Please be seated. So I'm going to give a little um, word association test right now, and this will tell a couple of things. Um, One, it will tell how old you are. And two, more importantly, it'll tell if you are a lover of fine cinema. Are you ready? Rosebud. Yeah? Do we have any associations? Some of you shaking your heads. Citizen Kane, Orson Welles. Yeah. One of the most enigmatic words ever uttered in in all of, of the cinema history. And you know, uh, this coming season is all about loaded words, words that we bring of a lot of associations with us to um, words that carry a lot of weight. And I think we'd be remiss in having a Sunday that we call Christ the King Sunday without taking notice of the fact that those are probably two of the most loaded words in existence. Christ, meaning Savior, Messiah, And please, Episcopalians, tell your kids that was not Jesus' last name. And King. Now, in the very Protestant churches, we call it what? Reign of Christ. And that's kind of a uniquely American thing because we're not fond of kings and monarchs in this country. This whole country was founded because of a group of very religious people and very... Um, enterprise-oriented people wanting to break away from a hereditary monarchy. And you know, I don't know if you knew this about the early Episcopalians like Sam Seabury and others, but a lot of the first bishops in the Episcopal Church were jailed during the Revolutionary War for being loyalists to the king. We had to take an oath of loyalty to a king to be ordained back then. And so um, when they became bishops, They went over and got ordained by people who did not take an oath of loyalty to the king. Good Scotsman. We have any Scotsmen in the room? All right, yeah. Um, King has always been a very loaded word for us in this country. Um, And it should be a very loaded word for us in this gospel text today. And I think Christ is a very, very loaded word for us too. Because it means Savior, it means Messiah, And on occasion, we will act as if we need a Savior. And on occasion, we will acknowledge that we need a Messiah. But I don't know about you, um, one of my biggest sins is that I act as if I'm good and I don't need any help. But I don't know if you know me that well, I need a lot of help. And so today we have this scene today in which the two main characters embody these two very loaded words. We have Pilate, who is the representative of empire, of king, the governor of a very unruly region, a region that's plagued by terrorist attacks, it's plagued by violence, it's plagued by a lot of um, interreligious violence. Kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? And then we have Jesus in one of the last scenes Um, before he heads to Golgotha, um, interacting with Pilate in what looks like a 
kind of a classic scene that you've probably seen in, in a lot of movies where um, one king or one governor or general um, has the captured leader in the room and is giving him sort of that last interrogation. And the irony of this iconic scene here um, is that it quickly flips from being an interrogation of Jesus to being an interrogation of Pilate. Jesus challenges and stands on its head all of the notions of empire that Pilate carries with him into this scene. And Jesus has that great response where he says, you know, if I played by your rules, there'd be fighting already. But my world is not of this place. My, my kingdom is not of this world, he tells Pilate. And Pilate, you know, shows some reasonable confusion here. And in this interrogation, we then see in plain view the tension between empire and Jesus, don't we? Where are your people, the empire asks. Why did they give you over to me? What did you do to make them mad? And in Jesus, we hear someone talking about truth and talking about this kingdom that doesn't belong to this world and doesn't belong to people like Pilate. Now, can you imagine the audacity of this man standing before the governor of, of, of all Judea saying, you know, the empire that I rule is one that you cannot touch. And here, right before we head into Advent, um, we see a wonderful tension that we're invited into in this iconic scene. We see wonderful contrast, don't we? And it's just so strange that in our year, and also so fitting, that right before we turn the corner into Advent, right before we go from wearing green, and we're wearing white this week because it's Christ the King Sunday, but you know in in previous weeks we've been wearing green because we have been in ordinary time, which is the time um, between Pentecost and now. Um, It's a time when we wear green. Um, We don't chant during ordinary time usually. Um, and now we're heading into Advent, which is a season of preparation, and really for all of us, a season of, pre- of, of, of celebration, and a season where we wear colors and the church becomes more beautiful and more full of light, yet we are left to ponder the imminent execution of this man of peace and this clash between empire and Jesus. Jesus here is about to be executed and next week, we start talking about Jesus being born. Very strange. And, and if you never occurred to you that it is strange, it ought to occur to you that it's strange. But you know, um, Advent really um, ought to be a season in which we celebrate more mystery. Um, one of the things we're going to do next week that we've never done before is we're going to begin Advent with an Advent litany. Um, which at first will sound a little bit like the litany we do on the first day of Lent. But don't worry, it gets happy very quickly. Um, We only stay miserable sinners for about three responses. And then we start saying, Amen, come Lord Jesus. And you know, Advent used to be a season of penitence, and it used to be um, more of a season kind of like Lent is in preparation for Easter. And of course, uh, the over-commercialization of this season. I mean, come on, they were putting up Christmas decorations two weeks ago in Target. 
They're already playing Christmas music, and it's not even going to be Christmas until the 25th of December. You know, we live in this tension right now surrounding us. This tension surrounds us, this tension between empire, between king and Christ, between empire and Jesus. And we're invited today in this scene to carry that tension with us. I mean, you think about it. During Advent, um, we go to parties, we celebrate uh, abundance, yet, yet we live in a world uh, that is full of scarcity. We, we really are able to revel in love and family and togetherness, but we are to remember that there's so many people without these things. We give thanks for um, the safe leadership in our lives and in our country, uh, the people who enable us to work and to prosper, um, yet we live in a world in which these things are not present. And so rather than um, live a life that's undifferentiated, live a life that doesn't notice these things, I invite you today to take these contradictions with you, um, to continue this conversation that Jesus begins with Pilate, to keep pushing back against the forces of empire that try to encroach upon the holiness of Advent and the holiness of the coming of Christ. In that time of, of, of penance that we can now enjoy in Advent, ask ourselves, which rule do we live by? Do we live by the rule of Caesar and empire? Do we live by the rule of Christ? Do we live by our own egos and our own individualism? Or do we live by thinking of other people and putting ourselves before other people and like Christ living as if the law of self-giving love sits as it really does at the center of all creation and of all things. That is what lies at the heart of this Sunday. And that is what lies at the heart of the hard work of Advent. Jesus is this king of this other place. Not this otherworldly kind of place he's talking about. Not um, a place with golden streets and mansions in an afterlife. Jesus is talking about a place that exists right now, a place that we all carry in our hearts, friends, and we carry it into Advent. So notice these loaded words. Notice the discomfort you feel as you sing them and you say them and you encounter them. Act on that discomfort with your generosity and your repentance, and your love for the other. Listen to Jesus' voice and push back against Pilate when we can. Reject the consumerism that we all take for granted now, even, in, even if it's in just one tiny way this year. Find a niche within that fight that you can occupy. Let go of the consumptiveness of this time, the seduction of empire that we're all invited to. And revel in our need, revel in our vulnerability, revel in our need for a king like Jesus. We can put energy into a kingdom that is already here, friends, a kingdom that we carry with us, a kingdom that is brought to us by the work of the Holy Spirit and a kingdom that is yet still on its way. By doing this, friends, we can be a people 
who live under a king, but a king named Jesus.